Okay, welcome everyone to Breard Out on Air. This time we have Ryan and Pierce Kitts. But we, before we actually start, I would like to invite you all to join our Discord and our Twitter if you haven't. And feel free to feel free to comment, and we'll have like feel free to comment everything on Discord so we can ask your questions straight to Ryan and Pierce after the first few questions that we have for them. And I know most of you guys already know these guys, but it would be nice to actually hear it straight from them. Uh, Ryan and Pierce, why don't you guys give us an intro first? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, good. You could, could, just want to make sure you could hear me. Uh, yep. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, I'll give a I'll give a introduction about myself. So, um, lifelong gamer, played competitively, was a streamer, content creator, esports commentator, um, and then really got into um, the creator economy uh, in the early days um, with Justin TV, and then eventually I, I went on um, from Machinima and Major League Gaming, where I, I led and started the gaming vertical at YouTube for and ran that for almost eight years and. Uh, was doing kind of investing on the side and was starting to get really, really curious into uh, Web3 and blockchain-based games early last year. And it, you know, it was really hard not to make the plunge uh, full-time. And so I came over to Polygon to lead our studios team. And our studios team is responsible for all of the BD, DevRel, tech integrations for all uh, Polygon-based companies that are coming in and building on Polygon. Uh, so whether you're a large company using and leveraging our, our tech stack or a small company that's getting started, uh, we are working with you and making sure that you find success on Polygon's variety of chains that we offer. So that's that's the short on me. And uh, I love being an advisor on the uh, Breeder Dow project. And I know we'll spend a lot of time touching on that. So I'll just I'll just save it for that and pass it over to Piers. Hey guys, uh, you have to excuse the um, excuse the background background noise on my end. Um, but yeah, my, my background basically um, been pretty early to the sort of crypto gaming scene. Um, got involved with uh, crypto early on, actually through uh, running some gold farming operations in RuneScape, which I'm sure many of you can relate to from back in the day. Um, and yeah, these days I spend my time um, across uh, the Delphi Digital, mainly on the sort of ventures arm, um, you know, covering the covering the gaming side of things, um, and then also with BitCraft, um, where, you know, big sort of traditional game fund um, that kind of moved into the crypto space over the last year and a bit. Um, and yeah, super excited to be working with a number of uh, exciting, exciting projects in this space. Uh, Dow is obviously one that I'm uh, enormously excited about, so, so eager to make. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone here is happy to hear you guys, especially since you made like a ton of effort in coming here. Pierce actually is on his way to back to London from Amsterdam, and Ryan is actually leaving, le leaving for Bahamas. So thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. But before you actually dive deep into like Breeder Dow, uh, we want to know, like you guys are experienced as gamers, and you have pretty much like a touch on Web 2 and Web 3. Like, Ryan, you actually came from uh, head of gaming. Uh, you, you are actually you were actually head of gaming for YouTube and peers. You're actually with Bitcraft right now, and you know both of you guys, Ryan. You moved to Polygon. You move as like a CEO of Polygon Studios, and Pierce, your founding partner still of Delphi Ventures. Um, what what are the parallels that you guys see between like traditional and crypto gaming, and how do you think this space is going to evolve like moving forward? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think um, to me, I always looked at the space as kind of a natural evolution. It's funny, you know, you talked about, you know, Piers was talking about uh, kind of like the gold farming that he did in RuneScape. And you could already tell that there was like a, a, a market fit and demand for, honestly, for like decades now in gaming, right? So, you know, it was never really fully materialized, but then you started to see, uh, you know, the games industry started making, you know, billions of dollars based off of digital assets and, you know, a lot of people looking at these th these free-to-play games and these economies and then seeing that you can purchase these digital assets and really all you were getting was a licensing agreement to a lot of them. And so um, between that and seeing people like these gray markets pop up and exist, um, you know, for gold, whether it was World of Warcraft or RuneScape, um, whether it was, you know, Counter-Strike, which I think is, you know, uh, a, a pretty interesting take at what, you know, free markets could do, but it's really not free, right? It's very much wall-guarded and Steam Store, 
but this idea that, you know, you could purchase these skins, resell them. And so you started to see like this, there was a lot of appetite and interest to do it. You've seen games make attempts at trying to do it. Um, you know, like I think a lot of people like to reference Diablo three and the auction house and how that didn't work, which I think talks a little bit about how complicated it is um, to kind of balance all of these like free economies with games as well. Um, and so to me, there was a lot of parallels that have been happening for a long time, but there really wasn't any kind of existing tech that could take it and usher it into a new era. And so then comes, you know, this idea of blockchain based games where everything is, you know, verifiable and all of a sudden you have these true genuine ownership. And on top of this, you start to see this shift where people care much more about the time they're spending in digital worlds and, and, and digital environments in general. Um, and people want to invest time and money into that and, and having something to say about it. So to me, the parallels have been around for honestly 15, 15, 20 years, right? Like you really started to see it transpire over a long period of time. And now you have kind of this tech that you can build on where you can make these games and create new experiences, play to earn being one of them. Um, so uh, it was it was kind of long in the making and I'm excited to be on the other side of it. Um, this is the same thing that got me excited when I started focusing on the creator economy because I was like, look at what the creator economy can do to amplify the games industry. To me, I look at now, I'm like, look what, look what blockchain can do to amplify the games industry. And so with 3 billion gamers almost in the world, um, I think this is going to be another big push, uh, an inflection point in the history of the games industry to keep growing. Uh, but I've seen a lot of parallels and it's exciting to kind of see it start to materialize and be on this side of the fence of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, echoing that side there where, you know, like I, I sort of grew up and kind of um, found my legs as it relates to crypto uh, in, you know, like operating around some of these virtual economies. And, you know, like I'd seen firsthand for such a long time, like how much demand there really was for people, um, you know, actually like trying to build these sort of shadow economies around these games. Right. Um, I think as we sort of to emerge towards this area where like, you know, you can kind of take the um, evident demand for those types of activities and actually integrate them into some of the, into some of these new business models. I think that was something super exciting for me. And then I kind of also look more broadly at, at like the, the sort of trend we're on. Um, you know, I think all of these early projects around sort of crypto gaming really are, you know, helping pave the way for the foundation of what, you know, tomorrow look, look like, right? When we start talking about sort of the open metaverse and the kind of 10-year view about where we could really sort of, um, you know, evolve into uh, even more pervasive and um, sort of immersive digital spaces, I think the prospect of having this kind of centralized infrastructure, sort of economic infrastructure, computational infrastructure that's kind of native to the internet to sort of support these worlds is something that's extremely exciting to me. And so, as I say, I think all of these early sort of, um, you know, projects and, and, and sort of business models we're exploring they're um, very much sort of paving the way for, for what I hope that world can look like. Can look like. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the parts that I'm super excited about, too. Nice. So, I mean, all of us here are actually very bullish in gaming, but it's really nice to hear, like, from OGs, uh, people who are actually veterans in the industry and much more, like, people who are actually within, like, the traditional gaming side of things, moving into, like, blockchain. Uh, Ryan, aside from you guys, there are X-Rive games who are slowly moving. Uh, you know, X-EA, uh, for example, uh, we all have these, like, developers from the traditional gaming side of things slowly moving and realizing the value of blockchain. So it really is a huge boost in terms of, like, confidence and trust for a lot of us. Now, I think what I want to ask you guys really is, because you guys actually were the first ones to say yes for this advisory role. And Ryan, for you, I think you it, it was your first, right? At least with Web3 uh, in terms of advisory. And yeah, what made you guys really say yes? Because we didn't have like A16Z back then. We didn't even have like Delphi. Uh, all we had was the, the narrative and you know the proof of concept that we did back in quarter two of 2021. So what you, made you guys say, say yes to this one? So two comments. Um, the, fir the first one um, on the games industry, kind of like the momentum and everybody being bullish. Like I do have to say what's remarkable um, and what I've noticed changed even in the last five months is it everybody is talking about it. So even the people that might not feel like they're in Web3, the most established and respectable gaming execs across the entire industry that are not probably you know publicly facing in Web3 like Piers and I are are very keen on kind of blockchain based games and Web3 games. So despite maybe some of the backlash or 
you know, maybe uh, it feels like some are apprehensive. I would say there is a lot of eagerness to figure out how to switch economies over uh, and put them on chain. So I, I think I think we're really just seeing the beginning of people that are first movers into the space uh, that really want to have their hands around it. But I would say I even myself have been pretty taken aback by how many people are really keen on what's going to happen in the space and how they're going to get involved. And honestly, it was at GDC and Renzo was good to see you there as well. Even at an event like GDC, I was like, wow, you know, I don't know. I think we're just going to kind of be these like, you know, the DGENs on the outside of the events and not sure if people are going to be really leaned in. And uh, we ended up having <coughs> across Polygon, you know, and all the team members that we had there, 71 meetings. Um, and, you know, half of those were with some of the biggest, you know, gaming companies and entities in the space. So that I just wanted to say I, that that's an exciting part for me and something that personally I've been really happy to see that we're not on like some island here in Web3 and, and on-chain gaming. The second part was like, what made you say yes to BreederDAO? Uh, I started to get really fascinated by play to earn and starting to look at um, how complicated that is. It's complicated to balance the economies. It's complicated to understand how to buy the assets, um, uh, you know, the breeding mechanisms that come with it. I mean, it's very, it, it will be, it will require people to take a much more data-driven and analytical approach in how they purchase and um, uh, buy NFTs. And I think this is a huge, huge difference than what we've been used to, right? Like we've had kind of in a lot of these games, there might be like implied scarcity based off of the rarity of a weapon or something along those lines. Um, but, you know, you're like purchasing, you're like, oh, I like it. I have that item. I'm going to, you know, take it. You know, that's that's great. This idea um, with play to earn and kind of having these free markets and NFTs as part of it and, and, and seeing how truly complicated it really is, you need, um, you need some way to simplify that process, both from an enterprise level and both from a user level. And so I just really like the idea of what Breeder DAO was going to do, if, if nothing else, of offering information to make better decisions, right? And so I think we all will, you know, as the user base continues to get bigger, in this subsection of blockchain games and play to earn, this is a really critical part. And so for me, like when I first started talking to you guys, it just was such a no brainer. I'm like, Oh, this is a, this is a huge gap. It's a huge problem that needs to be solved and no one's better positioned to do it than you all. Right. And so I just was very eager to kind of jump in and, and see what you all could do. So that was, uh, that's why I was, I was most excited to jump in. Nice. Thank you for that. You know, going back to your first point about GDC, I was pleasantly surprised by the number of like play to earn or blockchain gaming talks that were there. Because like when I first chatted with Gabby, he was like, you know, it's mostly going to be traditional. Used to be like blockchain only has like a small room uh, during the conferences and nobody would even talk about it. But during this during the event this time, I think all the play to earn conferences or play to earn talks were jam packed and like it, it's really full. And everyone's just asking, even the non blockchain uh, talks were, were asked like what do you guys think of like blockchain and how do you think like we can incorporate this so it was really like interesting for me to hear that yeah and I think like as people start to have to spend more time like understanding um, you know um, asset generation and and burning mechanisms and like purchasing NFTs whether again whether it's enterprise or individual user there's this there's going to be this huge demand for for you know breeder dials tech and I think you're going to see it incorporated in a variety of ways. Um, and so, and honestly, even the conversations I'm having at like a Polygon Studios level, so many people are trying to figure out the, you know, how their economies and how they think about this and how they balance everything. And so I feel like there's just this, this great learning that's happening in 22, right? Everybody's trying to get, you know, up to speed. I would say it's almost impossible. I love it. Like Sandeep, the founder, one of the founders of Polygon is one of my, one of my favorite things he always says to me. He's like, it's easy to know everything about crypto. You just have to read 18 hours a day. And obviously the sarcasm there is that it's almost an infinite amount of, of knowledge that you need in order to kind of stay on top of this space. And I say that for like two reasons. One everyone should continue to always have an appetite to learn. You'll never know everything about the space. It's very dynamic. It's constantly growing. And two, look for the companies that are helping with that process, right? Learning, understanding, educating, uh, enabling, right? And democratizing all of these different kind of behaviors. These are the companies that really interest me. And, I, and really it's going back kind of to your core point of like why breeder Dow, it hits a lot of that ethos. And so, um, yeah, it's, I think a lot of people are going to continue to learn and be really leaned in. And so I want to make sure 
our industry, and by that I mean those that are participants and builders in Web3 are opening and embracing all of these folks that are coming in and trying to learn um, and making sure that we welcome them and that we educate them and that we give them tools to succeed in these, these complicated economies. 100%. Because like the space is also very young, right? There's a lot of like innovation that's going around and really the best projects are going to be ones that can really adjust and like be flexible and pivot like when necessary, right? So yeah, I mean, related to that, while we're waiting for peers, uh, I want to ask you, so you know, there's a lot of like narrative around play to earn at the moment and people are saying, you know, it's not sustainable and eventually it's going to be play and earn. Like, what do you think about that? And where do you see like breeder fits, like, you know, from play to earn, play to play and earn or like, you know, playing with a bonus of like income. There's a lot of like all of these like noises. And I wonder like, what do you think about these? Yeah, I think people like, um, I think everybody loves the deal in like absolutes and nobody wants to speak in like nuanced terms. And I feel this at a general level with society and especially in these conversations, right? Play, play to earn is, is a very complicated balancing act of economies and game design, both of which are terribly difficult, right? Making a game is really, really, really hard. And then you start to balance these economies on top of it. It also is difficult. And so the thing about all of this is um, you have to understand that like Web3 and, and, and building on chain um, allows for this wonderful democratization of anybody can build and anybody can be a participant and anybody can do whatever they want. Much like what the internet kind of in the creation of the internet enabled, right? Coming with that, you have a series of good actors and bad actors, right? So you will absolutely have people that make games that are appearing to be play to earn that are malicious intent and they have Ponzi-nomics in them, right? Like that it really feeds into this idea that they're not self-sustaining, that you need more users to come in to spend more money in order for it to work. And people, because of the, the, the ability to kind of have financialization first in some of the play to earn games, you see bad actors. But you also see a variety of these play to earn games that are very well intended, that are very fixated on making sure that they find and strike the right balance so that they have a healthy and sustainable economy and ecosystem. And, re and, and we're seeing that. And you have to understand we're in such early days of this concept of play to earn. You know, so those that are really critical have to understand that like even games like even like free to play as a model took time to evolve. And people were very like negatively reactive to free to play. Like the idea that I've got to buy a cosmetic in some game that I, you know, I have to pay extra money for. This is ludicrous, right? And then ultimately became adopted. And so I say all of that is when you have things that democratize the ability for anybody to be a participant, you have good things and bad things and consequences that come from that. And so I'm starting to see a lot of these like very bright moments and play to earn. Um, and it goes back to things like Breeder DAO, where it's like, how are you giving people tools to succeed? And those who are well-intended as play to earn builders leverage those tool sets to find these balances to make sure that they're creating vibrant communities. And I do love this idea that like, you know, stacking guilds on top of this, um, it makes a lot of sense. And then how you can provide the pro appropriate tool sets for guilds so that they can be kind of um, shepherds for the community and help people access these games and participate and onboard into these games. So long winded, I think of it as you have to have a much more nuanced take on this conversation because it is it's constantly evolving and there are a lot of factors and variables to consider. I also think we kind of conflate all blockchain games as play to earn. That's like not the case. You know, um, you you just saw play to earn games because a lot of the people that were um, native were that that built these games were native DeFi crypto, and so they had this kind of financialization first perspective to it, mapped to like game product overlay. And so what you're starting to see long term is you'll see a section of play to earn. You'll see a section of play and earn, right? And people will think about how to make these great game experiences with free marketplaces without a fixation on the earning mechanism, but you could still earn, right? Like I'll give you an example. You could be, you could get involved in a uh, blockchain-based tactical shooter where the digital items are basically only cosmetics or some evolution of cosmetic items and your participation in season one where you got one of those NFTs uh, could in value go up over you know five or six seasons as the game continues to scale and you could earn off of selling that right and so i i think people you know really need to understand kind of the multiple facets of it and we're going to see a lot of different types of games um so i know i think i probably answered beyond just your question but this is the this is the interesting dynamic and the nice thing in my role at polygon i'm like seeing 
literally we have like 17,000 decentralized apps and we're seeing, you know, hundreds of game pitches a week. And I don't even think that's hyperbole, like truly hundreds of game pitches a week. And I would say about 10 to 15% of them have these incredible ideas on how play to earn is going to involve evolve. And I'd say like another 90% of them don't fully appreciate the how complicated it is to balance these two worlds of launching a game and having an earning mechanism. So anyway, I think it's a very sophisticated and technically challenging thing to do right. Um, and you're going to see people really nail this and continue to nail it uh, for years to come as people learn more and build on it and iterate. Right. And, you know, I tell people that we're very lucky because when we actually had you as an advisor, you, will, you were still like head of YouTube gaming. Next thing we know, you're already like the CEO of Polygon Studios. So like getting the intersection of Web 2 and Web 3 uh, and putting it in one body, that's that, that's you. Uh, we, we really hit the bullseye there. So hi, Piers. Uh, I think you're back now. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. I'm not sure if Pierce is actually here, but he doesn't seem to be responding. So yeah, going back to your point, Ryan, uh, I, I feel like the entire uh, Breeder DAO was hinged on the fact that, you know, there's actually a lot of like demand out there. You have a lot of guilds uh, creating uh, or, or like building and raising funds. And what we've seen is that there's not enough supply in the market. When we had the chat with Gabby, he was like the single biggest problem in a lot of like these uh, or the single biggest problem in the economy is that there's a lack of quality asset and you guys are actually spearheading that effort. And, you know, I, I kind of resonate with you because right now uh, play to earn is actually a concept that's been running around and we kind of help the economy by adding on to the burning side of things. But if it comes like play and earn, what I believe is that, you know, these assets are still going to be generated by the players themselves. And there's always going to be a role for Breeder Dow there. And I don't believe that even if we change like the narrative uh, or even if, you know, it, it becomes, uh, you know, more of a play and earn thing and, you know, crafting or breeding may not be the center of it. It will always be there. And the tools that we have, uh, like PlayCore, for example, will always, always be relevant, not only to you know, the gamers uh, that we have already or the guilds, but anyone who's pretty much like interested in the blockchain and gaming space. I agree. I don't, I, I know like, you know, obviously I love the the name, you know, BreederDAO and like uh, the, the concept of, you know, how to produce, you know, high value assets um, in a play to earn economy. But I think again, going back the, in a world where you're like, you're spending, you know, significant amount of money, you work, you're just, going to need to intimately understand the digital assets inside of a game that you're participating even when it is not necessarily or play to earn right and so i actually think of i think of breeder dow's value extending far beyond just like how do we help you create you know uh high, you know high asset generation and more of like how do you just make smarter decisions across the space both again at an enterprise level and individual user and so um, I think this space will continue to evolve. Terminology might continue to evolve in the space. Um, but, you know, what, what the backbone of what you are, all are offering, I think is very persistent and will be very necessary as these virtual worlds, metaverse, games, whatever you want to, however you want to classify it, continue to evolve. Um, and Breeder Dow too, and the team that you all have kind of assembled, you will evolve with the industry as well. I think if anybody realizes that this is incredibly dynamic industry and it's changing i kid you not almost on a daily basis and so i think a big part of it is you guys understand that there's this value of of making sure people understand and can learn and have you know provide insights that i think will be invaluable long term um and your your world's ahead of anybody that's even in the space thinking about it so um you you have this unique first movers advantage you have this unique insights and i i think you'll continue to be able to grow in parallel with the community as it goes in a lot of different directions. Yep. Thanks for that. So while Pierce is here, let's take advantage of it. Pierce, going back to the question, what made you say yes to the advisory role? Yeah. Apologies. I keep getting a rug by Twitter. Twitter spaces here. Um, but yeah. I think one of the things that, that was enormously exciting to me is obviously um, we've seen such a rapid evolution of the sort of guild model, right? I think the numbers last year that there was sort of like $512 million, um, you know, raised uh, by, by sort of guilds. And I think it's like a pretty, there's a pretty, you know, meaningful sort of need in the market for, um, for, for people sort of on the other side of that, right? I do believe that the sort of 
idea behind um, you know building out the actual sort of supply side of that model um, and sort of engineering you know like broadly over much more tailored and optimized strategies is a is a, is a hugely exciting prospect. Um, and then obviously I think a number of the sort of teams that you guys have worked with previously, um, you know they're they're obviously uh, obviously um, like folks like Yield Guild and whatnot and, and some of the other other people that you guys have been working with out in the Philippines are just hugely hugely excited by um, you know like. The, the setup you guys have over there in terms of being able to build synergies across these other projects that are, you know, um, very much supportive of what you guys are trying to achieve. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was the, one of the things that, that really excited me. And then, you know, having, having done a bunch of digging on the way you guys are thinking about it and sort of how you're approaching the actual kind of, um, you know, data analysis and optimizing these strategies, like it was pretty clear, pretty clear to me that, um, you know, um, even though, Others may try and sort of move move after this model. You guys had a pretty substantial sort of head start there, and I'm uh, excited to see that continue to evolve. Yeah, for sure. And I remember that you were also the one who pushed us to Delphi, right? Uh, you you helped us in terms of them taking the lead, and you know you spoke with Anil and like everyone else to convince them to actually put us like uh, or like to invest in us. Like, why do you think like Breeder DAO is a fit or a great addition to like Delphi's portfolio? Yeah, I think sort of similar to some of the stuff, excuse these strange sounds, I have no idea what they are. Um, but uh, I think similar to sort of what I just touched upon there um, around, you know, I, I think there's a sort of like massive need in, in this in this market for um, what you guys are sort of, um, you know, plugging in. And, uh, you know, across both sort of Bitcraft and Delphi, you know, obviously we've got some uh, quite substantial exposure to the guild space at large. And I think, um, you know, it's just highly, highly complementary to a lot of the um, sort of existing positions we have. Um, and, you know, it's not just like at the guild level, right? Like there's also all of these brilliant games that we're excited about to be, to be backing. So sort of things like Crypt Unicorns obviously is one that's sort of um, uh, hopefully not too far out on your roadmap. Um, one second, I'll try and save you. Um, that's hopefully not too far out on your roadmap there that, you know, we kind of did. Um, I think that's an exciting one actually where it was uh, Poly Polygon Studios, Bitcraft and Delphi and that one. So we're all kind of aligned over, the, over there. Um, so it's like also, you know, plugging in directly to the sort of games portfolio as well. So it's kind of uh, hard to imagine a, a more synergistic play to um, a lot of the sort of efforts that, you know, we're, we're, we're making in the game space. Yep, definitely. Uh, I think it was an easy like yes for all for, for us to take uh, Delphi as a co-lead for, for, for this uh, project. Um, I'm curious now because you know a lot of people still don't understand like what Breeder DAO is. There's still rumors that we're actually a guild. You know, people still think like we're a game. Nobody really understands what we're trying what it is we're trying to do in the space. So, in your simplest words, like how do you explain Breeder DAO to people who ask you? I feel like I got to give it to Piers uh, just because he, he fell off for so long and I ranted for like 15 minutes. He's been, he's been rugged again. <laughs> I think for me, you know, and this is a, this is a good question. Cause I do think, I actually think it is what you guys are doing is highly complicated. And anytime something is kind of complicated, it is hard to like synthesize down into a really easy way to talk about it. But we spent a lot of time talking about how important it is to balance like in-game assets and economies um, in these, in this play to earn world. And so just being able to do programmatic asset generation is really important, right? To like really understand how to provide a balance there, um, really have intimate understanding of like the breeding mechanism there. And so I think for you guys, at the end of the day, it's, it's ultimately what you're doing is providing a lot of information in a proprietary way in order to make more informed decisions on asset generation and assets and games, right? Like, I think that's the big part and big takeaway. I think the other thing on Breeder DAO is like, how do you, you know, what is the utility token in which runs like, I think that you should be the one that talks about this, but like, I think people now saying, okay, this is really great. I understand that there's this huge need for, uh, you know, the technology that Breeder DAO provides, right? It provides for guilds, provides for games directly, right? And, and now it's like, how do I participate in it? And so like, I do like the idea of, okay, we have a token, this token has utility. Now you're part of like the actual DAO. And I think the actual part of what Breeder DAO uh, 
doesn't like people aren't speaking enough about is like the DAO component and the participation component of, okay, I get the technology. How do I, as an individual within this industry, participate in Breeder DAO? What does it mean for me if I'm not a big game, if I'm not a big guild and I'm just an individual, how do I participate? Um, and I think that's the part that really is really important to talk about and um, elaborating more maybe on the token utility. And like, I don't know, Ren's like, I would kick it back to you. I'm happy to riff on that part of it as well, but I would love for you to kind of talk about, to, to talk about the, you know, the, the utility aspect of the token. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's a simplified way to, to talk about what BreederDAO does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tears and the Delphi team actually was a huge help in terms of like determining like what the token utility would be. So, you know, we actually centered it around like the, the, the users or, or the token holders, right? So we thought that, you know, for, for BreederDAO, who are the main stakeholders? And we, we kind of run it down to like the three Gs, uh, the games, the guilds, and the gaming enthusiasts. So for the games part, what we feel is that, you know, uh, we kind of act like as a market makers for these games, right? We inject liquidity back into their marketplaces. And so, you know, how we envision this is that it will be kind of similar to like how Tokimac does it with their reactor course. So people would actually stake their tokens in support of the games that they want us to provide liquidity for. Because let's admit it, right? Uh, the resources that we have are also limited. And while we actually are uh, we, we actually are the biggest player in the market, there's still only so much that we can produce. And you know, we're ultimately capped by our resources. Uh, and so, you know, prioritizing like which production lines, uh, utilizing like, you know, all of these strategies and and and, and ideas that we have and of course like involving the community to participate in that voting or on which strategies we should employ or which games we should produce or which assets we should produce um, is actually like a, a, a solid utility for the token. Now the second part would be the guilds. So for any new game, uh, you know, we have uh, a belief that demand will always be greater than the supply. Uh, imagine like, you know, crypto unicorns initially minting like 10,000 and, you know, the demand is quite huge with 30,000 people already ready to jump the gun. So how then do we actually allocate accordingly to these guilds? So when we thought about utility, you know, we can actually allow these guilds or these players to like stake our tokens to get our corresponding allocation of that pool that we will initially produce. And so ultimately the people who would stake the most would actually get like the, the, the highest number of like allocation. Of course, we want to cap it so that no amount of uh, or no guild will be able to like hoard the entire supply just by buying the entire uh, free token. And lastly would be, you know, just to get general gaming enthusiasts. What we try to envision here is that we want everyone to be to, to, to have like a, a, a way to participate in the, in the economy. So you know, our tools are not just going to be limited to like guilds or partners. We want everyone to be able to enjoy it. So by staking like BTOKEN, you can take advantage of the tools and technology that we've built in-house and really just uh, use it, you know, produce assets using your own inventory and maybe supply them back to the market uh, if that's what you want. Now, aside from that, because we're also generating yield from manufacturing and selling these assets for a margin, we want to give that a portion of that yield back to the people via staking and that's ultimately how people uh, who are non-gamers or who are not like part of the ecosystem to be able to participate as well because we then become your proxy to this entire like blockchain gaming and you know because we curate like all of these assets that we produce then you're technically uh, you, you can kind of like treat us as an index where we produce like the best assets following the ones with the best economies and we kind of help this entire space like grow all together. Hello. Yes, sir. We are okay. here. Yeah. Sorry about that. I thought like I got disconnected as well. I know you all. You all are scarred from how much you've been uh, both rugged by Twitter uh, Spaces. I don't know what to tell you. I've never had an issue though. Four times, sir. Four times. Four consecutive uh, times. <laughs> this is all Elon Musk's doing. I don't know what to tell you. I know, right? We're all rugged by him. He knew we were gonna have like a good discussion, so he he did like everything in his power to actually make this like fail. <laughs> I would. Can I ask? Can I ask you a question real quick too? Uh, 
How are you thinking yeah, about? Yeah, like how are you thinking? Obviously, it's a big part. You you've all spent you know over a year putting you know working on this, putting this all together. Um, you know the if you have if you are into this and you're you're listening, like the white paper is incredible that talks through it. I think it is highly detailed and uh, really explains like how are you feeling leading up to the token launch and how are you feeling about onboarding games into the future? Like what excites you over the next six months? Um, about Breeder Down, like how are you excited about kind of working with the community and getting the community involved and kind of like opening the doors to everybody to to be involved in Breeder Down? I mean, it's a big moment for you all. So, how are you thinking about it? Right. You know, I think the first thing that I want to say is that we are really grateful for the support that the community has given us. Like, we're really just overwhelmed um, from the release of our website to the white paper to all of these like announcements from our, from our partners to you guys who are actually actively or, or gracing us with your presence here. Uh, we're really just overwhelmed by the support from our advisors, investors, and everyone else. So, yeah, I think in general, it's been going really great for us. Uh, we're doing our token launch. Uh, soon on copper on april 26 and we're kind of like scared and pressured but at the same time really pumped and excited for this one uh yeah but in general you know uh, i feel like we're also lucky in terms of like the tra traction that we were able to generate uh over the past few months uh our asset has grown by 20 percent uh factoring in like all the business expenses that we have and i've never seen like you know i've been doing like a lot of businesses uh on the side as well uh even previously but i've never seen like this much growth uh anywhere and i'm just really bullish about the entire thing uh even though like you know bitcoin or, or like the entire like general or the general crypto market is actually down but yeah um you know moving forward what we really want to do like after the ido is really just to build that network try and help as much games as possible not only via market making or like producing their assets but also by helping them you know with the burning mechanism you know brainstorming because we have all of these data points and if we're not going to use this to actually help them make the economy more sustainable than what what's our use in the space right we're not just here to profit but we actually want to be like you know a pillar of the ecosystem like help people onboard more users into uh the metaverse and that's not going to happen if we only just focus on like profits or people here and there uh precisely why you know that's the real motivation behind like playcore we thought that we already have like all of these data sets why not allow the community to be able to use them and so you know we repurpose like all of these things uh so that the community may be able to enjoy it uh and then you know apart from that just really continue supporting our guild partners because ultimately they are our customers and the way we can really generate the maximum impact in the space is if they will actually be able to onboard a lot more users. And so, yeah, uh, now in terms of like the games that we're really bullish about, you know, there's Crypto Unicorns, there's like uh, Guild of Guardians, there's Ember Sword, uh, and also a lot of projects are game projects, Angelic, uh, Metalcore. You know, these projects we've already partnered with right from the get-go and yeah, I mean, we're really excited by the space and we want to do the best uh, that we can in order to be able to help like all of these like game skills and act as like really one of the pioneers in the industry and be able to support like everyone or all parties in the ecosystem. Friends, it's, you know, you Crypto Unicorns, uh, one, it was like one of my kind of like favorite games that's built on Polygon and was speaking with Aaron, uh, the founder of it. And we were kind of chatting about, um, you know, you have this world where people, um, you know, how do you make sure that like people that are purchasing kind of the digital, like the NFTs inside of games are actually, uh, you know, users that want to utilize those NFTs and are not just purchasing them um, basically as something that they can flip for, uh, for money, right? You know, so you have people that squat NFTs, this makes it hard and a barrier entry for players to participate in. So then you do see guilds, you know, kind of start to, you know, crop up around around this, uh, around this. And so how do you think about making sure that the people that are accessing and purchasing NFTs are the ones that want, you know, are actual players with intention of utilizing those NFTs on a daily, you know, basis and with some level of frequency? And how, you know, how's Breeder DAO think about that when they're helping games integrating directly or helping, you know, users plug into purchasing NFTs and play to earn economies? 
I feel like I'm getting rugged here, uh, Ryan. You're asking me questions instead of me asking you the questions. I, but... can, I can answer too. I'm just I'm going to turn into a casual Saturday morning cop over here with my coffee. You know, I'm hanging. Yeah, but but like I, I think you know uh, that's why we're also partnering with a lot of guilds who are not only just focused on like really driving profits, but uh, so 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 the idea behind the guilds is that it's actually a community, right? Uh, you know the the initial concept was people would actually loan out all of the scholars and then do some revenue sharing. So it was a pure profit model, right? But I think uh, as the games mature, like these guilds also mature in the process and it's becoming more of like a community. So instead of just people wanting to buy these assets in the hope of like earning from it, um, they're now having this shared interest of you know, towards these games, like, you know, the assets are cute, like, you know, we want to participate in the economy because we want to contribute, or we generally just like the game. And, you know, uh, going back to your question on how we think about this, we actually uh, rely on our guild partners to be able to convey like that kind of messaging. And, you know, we also, this is actually one of the reasons why we only, we, we don't want to just target like the top guilds. Uh, and we also want to target like the remaining or the micro guilds that we call because they actually comprise like 97% of the entire like guild population. And, you know, there are different motiv motivations behind these guilds. You would immediately know that these are actually guilds who are, you know, more focused than uh, with the community, really wanting to drive that competitive nature or bring that competitive gaming into you know, Web3 games. And, you know, I, I guess like you can say, we can kind of curate the guilds that we will provide to but in general, it's really hard for us to pinpoint or really direct these assets towards just the guys who would really just uh, invest in the ecosystem and not totally. like, you know, because uh, I, I feel like, you know, in every kind of economy, there there's really going to be like a lot of actors. And it, it, I mean, we're actually a big player in it, but it's actually not up to us and how the, they use these assets. What we can do, however, is we can tell the people what we're seeing. And so they can actually have a more educated, uh, I guess, analysis. And I guess like from there, like informative content uh, allows them to make like better decisions. So, I mean, we're doing our part in terms of that, but it's really hard to say, at least for us, uh, on how we're going to be able to, you know, pinpoint or like pick uh, between like, you know, someone who's just going to do, uh, someone who's just going to take profit from it or someone who's really just going to, or who's really going to invest and do his best to retain value into the ecosystem. All right, I won't ask you any more questions. I promise. Piers is back, anyways. <laughs> so I can I can start I can start to hammer him with questions next if you want. Yeah, I mean, I think Piers is back. Uh, I'm not sure if Piers is back, but yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to hear like how your conversation with Aaron went, like well, specific to that question. Yeah, no, I think like the thing that was pretty fascinating is we, he was really trying to make sure. Um, you know, and I don't want to speak too much for him on his behalf, but I think the thing that he really was putting value in is like, look, I want the people that are holding NFTs for crypto unicorns to be really engaged players. And so how do I provide value, not from just actually owning one, but actually, you know, somebody that's going to spend time and um, play this game? And how do I make sure that the reward and value of the NFT is attributed to somebody that's playing and utilizing this NFT, you know, day in and day out and putting time in, which I think is then the, like, that's where, that's where the heart of it should be. You know, I think there's, it's, this is, there's a lot of dynamics in this conversation. Right. Uh, but I do think you want to get to a place where the people that are purchasing the NFTs inside of a game are ones that are very well intended. Like they are the, like you, you highlighted, like people that are going to be playing at a high level. And so that they need the assets that are going to allow them to play at a high level because they are competitive and it's going to give them a better yield from the earning mechanism. Right. You know, so like, I think that's really important. Um, and you can tell that people that are focusing on that are the ones that I would say, remember, we kind of talked about in the beginning, you know, those who are well-intended that are those who are not right. Um, I think some people just think about like these NFTs that they can just roll them out for a game and, you know, you get people get like mugged, right. They're not well-intended. They aren't thinking about that. Um, you know, I think we can name a hundred projects right off the top of our head of people that have done that. And so I do think this balance of, you know, Breeder, Dow providing a lot of tools and education and high level assets 
and then making sure working hand in hand with guilds where that those assets are getting in the hands of community members who are utilizing them on a day in and day out basis to be players with inside of those games is really critical and that those are assets aren't being held by whales with zero intention to play the game because that's how economies start to get messed up. Um, and so I like talking to founders who are really trying to crack this problem and, and, and are very well intended in how they resolve this, where the power is to the people that hold and play and participate inside of these economies and not just own something, right? Or have the liquidity to purchase things up and move the floor up and some, and some of these behaviors that box players out from being able to be participants in the space. Yep, for sure. Uh, I really agree with you there. And I feel like, you know, a lot more games are becoming like strategic and how they, you know, for allow sure. people to extract value from the economy. So if you're not a contributor or if you don't invest like any time just playing the game or, or doing any sort of contribution, then you're not going to be able to like extract value from it. And I'm seeing a lot of changes and a lot of games doing this already. So yeah, um, I think... You know, we've had a lot of talk already. I already asked you questions. You asked me questions back. So I think it's time for us to move to like community questions. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Uh, let me just check Discord questions first. Okay, so I think while we're waiting, we can maybe pull someone up from the crowd to actually ask like a question. Okay, Ryan, I have one question from Discord. Uh, I'm not super sure who asked this. I think it's Jumanji hashtag 6358. So since you're exposed to so many games, which ones do you think look the most promising and how long do you think until play to earn will reach mass adoption? Similar to how like free to play did it. Yeah, those are kind of like two, two separate questions. Um, yeah, I would say, look, here's the thing. I think a lot of people are looking and evaluating blockchain games based on what's out there today. And I would say you don't have games that have been in long game development cycles with high fidelity. And so people um, can be quite dismissive of the space because they look at the industry and they're like, none of these games, you know, these are all very kind of like rudimentary games from a uh, visualization standpoint and game development standpoint. So I'm most excited about a lot of these games that are multi-year game dev cycles that um, haven't come out yet. And so, um, you know, games like a, an Ember Sword, for example, or something along those lines where people have spent many years building out the game and developing it. And so what you're going to start to see and what will be really interesting is over the next, you know, let's say two years, you're going to start to see games come up that actually start to look consistent with what your AAA expectations might be and their on-chain games. And so that's going to be, I think, a really pivotal moment and inflection point for the game, like the games industry. Um, and, and, and Web3 games, blockchain games, crypto games, however you want to classify them. We're still a couple of years out from that, right? So I think it's really important to have a measured approach on where this timeline is and where it's going. Uh, but, you know, between being like a venture partner on the big craft side and then everything I see on the Polygon Studio side, I see a lot, like I said, I see a lot. Um, and so, I, I mean, it is hard not to look at some of these things and not be super excited what's on the horizon. So that's one. And right, and I think just the growth of higher fidelity, higher polished, more deeper, intimate experiences with game, like Web3 games is on the horizon and that will open up the aperture of users coming into the space. So I fully expect this inflection point in 24 months of where you start to see you know, a, a meaningful growth in DAO and Mal of Web3 games. 
and then you know obviously the the chains will be beneficiaries of that you know people like breeder dow will be beneficiaries of that because we're still you know not to be a mean but we're still so early um on the play to earn side uh which is actually really interesting i think as people start as one as people really crack this balance of game like high polished games and the earning mechanism and balancing the economies you will really start to see it scale like right now you know, you're, you're seeing kind of lower monetizing markets really lean into play to earn aspects. And then people are like, is this for me? What does this really mean? Is it taking the fun out of games? You know, and I think there's just a lot of questions that come with it. I actually fully expect the, you know, play to earn business continue to scale uh, in parallel with the overall growth of on-chain games. Like, I think what we, we often do is we just take play to earn is blockchain based games. And I look at play to earn as a large subsection of what, you know, blockchain games will be long-term. So anyway, I say all that is, is I think we're a couple of years out from seeing like really, you know, material amount of players participating of that 3 billion. The thing that's most fascinating to me is out of those 3 billion gamers, even if you don't hit critical mass, like just say you hit 10, 20% of that user base, you know, you have 300 to 600 million people that then are playing, you know, blockchain based games. And the thing that no one really talks about is how much of like a disproportionate amount of the revenue is going to shift from free-to-play economies into blockchain-based games. I think when you think about like the, why AAA publishers are inevitably going to get in the space is because of that. And so anyway, I, I think the thing with free-to-play is, you know, a lot of people were dismissive, then they saw the earning potential, and then everyone shifted over into it. Now what you're going to see is everybody sees the earning potential from a AAA standpoint, and now all of a sudden users and community have far more control than they've ever had before over the game. And so all of this is a convergence of really, really good things for everybody. Like this is like all ships rise, both the participants and purchasers of digital assets and NFTs, as well as the game industry in itself. And then the last thing I'll add on, which is really cool, and you didn't really ask this, but I'll kind of elaborate on, on my thinking here, what excites me is I think if you look back in games industry and you try to be an indie studio and launch a game, if you only had like tens of thousands of users, that's like a fail, right? You spend this time developing a game and you didn't get critical mass for the game to be self-sustainable and, and actually generate revenue where you could keep a studio afloat. Now, with the way that kind of Web3 monetizes and community is purchasing and participating in the both the, the game and the upside of the game, you actually can have a thriving game with tens of thousands of users, which I think is awesome, right? And so you're going to see, that's like the beauty of democratized game development because now you're going to see more games be self-sustainable with smaller user bases, which is great. And I, I actually think this is very parallel to the creator economy on the, like the YouTube side. Um, you know, when we first launched the, you know, we were, when YouTube was around and we, we didn't really have ads for all creators, it was really interesting because you got like the Charlie bit my finger and cat videos, which is kind of what YouTube became known for. And it was really just this video hosting website. And then as we launched ads and scaled out our ads business, you started to get the top of the creators really started to make money and they started to make higher fidelity videos and really lean more in because they now had a, an incentive from a monetization standpoint. And then long-term, you started to create non-ads monetizing products, you know, uh, channel level subscriptions, you know, cheer bits and the super chats and the equivalents of that, which allowed users to kind of pay and support smaller creators and communities. And that allowed more content creators in the torso to now actually have a, you know, reliable income, even though they weren't generating meaningful viewership from uh, uh, that, that didn't equate to meaningful ad revenue. And so it allowed you to then prop up another wave of the creator economy that now can start to spend more time creating content. I say all of that is because you're going to see the identical parallels happen across Web3, right? And obviously NFTs are the start of it. So anyway, I'm most excited about high fidelity games. I'm most excited about this idea of how democratized game development is going to happen, how play to earn is going to get far more sophisticated, better understood and more balanced that you know, over the next two or three years, this space is going to be like, if you're excited about it now, holy shit, like three years, this, this space is going to be on fire, in my opinion. Right. Thank you for those answers. And related to like the, flip, the, the, the free to play like question, you know, some guy also asked me like, you know, do you ever think like watching gaming or like free to earn is ever going to flip like or is ever going to replace like free to play? And, you know, my answer was pretty simple, like. Uh, you know, the onset of like free to play didn't necessarily like kill, you know, pay to play, like, because you have Elden Rings or Witchcraft, for example, which are really successful games. And 
you know, it's not a zero-sum game where if you have like this new innovation, uh, everything else is gonna die. Uh, and, and I believe like you know, some games really belong to like the free-to-play. Some games may belong to like the play to earn. But because the value is there, like these are constantly gonna evolve. And you know, there's a lot of games that are gonna be, uh, or the option or the alternative is there. And like the more alternatives that we have, the better it is for the entire like ecosystem. So I think we have like three people here now. Uh, V Corp, do you want to start? Okay, since he's not yet here, can we start with Christoph first? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. sure. Hello, guys. Hey, I have, okay. a question for, I have a question for Ryan. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So what sort of synergies do you see between, you know, Polygon Studios and ReaderDAO? I'm interested in both of your projects. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of them, right? Like, we kind of touched on Crypto Unicorns, which is, like, a great Polygon Studios project. Um, I think the thing about it is, you know, when I, I look at what we want to do on the studio side is we really need to make sure that we're adding a lot of value to developers, right? Like, so many of the... So many people are fixated on, oh, I'm going to like, I got to get this game building on this chain. And then as soon as that happens, they're not really providing long-term value and service to them. And and we need to do better at that ourselves, right? You know, um, that's really not throwing stones. And so a big part of that is is adding value to the game developers. Now, that can come in a variety of different ways, as small and, and minor as a Twitter spaces or smart contract auditing, all the way to making sure that we're connecting people with the best tools uh, and services in the space. And so I think, you know, my interest in Breeder DAO is I think it's going to add a lot of value to play to earn games, right? And we see a ton of play to earn games that are building and choosing to build on Polygon. And so I think there's an opportunity to be connective tissue here. Um, and this is not unique to just even gaming. We're doing this across the board in all verticals, you know, like you have really prominent music artists that want to work with Polygon. Well, it's probably good to send them to Royal or something like that, which is already minting and building a Polygon. And so we really want to make sure that we are, you know, we're focused on actually supporting the developer ecosystem and plugging them in where it best suits. And so I think it's a great opportunity for prominent game studios that are building on Polygon to have kind of connective tissue into Breeder DAO and how they can help them think through their play to earn economies um, from day one. Right. So thank you for that question, Christoph. Uh, can we have, we have like, do you have like any follow up to that or? No, I'm good. Thank okay, thank you for that. Uh, can we have like V Corp now? Um, hello guys, can you hear me now? Yep. Loud and clear. I guess this is a question for both of you. I guess. So um, I've been a big fan of the project ever since, and I've been supporting Breeder Dow since day one. But I'm kind of curious. The market being in the red now and some NFT gaming is going down. Is ReaderDAO currently profitable now? You know, as the head of ReaderDAO and with Ryan as, you know, as the one of the advisors. Right. So, you know, what's very interesting is that despite the market being down for the past four months, our assets grew by 20%. And it's not the first time that we actually did this. Uh, when we did like a proof of concept, uh, even before like we had like Reader DAO, uh, Bitcoin fell by 50%, but uh, our asset grew by uh, 800%. So uh, it's really not new to us to be able to make money uh, or to be able to generate all, of, all sorts of assets and therefore all sorts of revenues, uh, even the time or even, even during bear. But, you know, we accelerate that growth uh, during the bull and when, when we have like all of these new games that are popping out. And, you know, I believe that because a lot of like these gamers are also non-crypto natives that they, you know, some of these people do not really know, like do not even know like what Bitcoin is. So you know, it's actually an entirely different economy altogether. And so it, it kind of is like, I would call, I would say like bear proof. So Bitcoin fell. Uh, back in 2021, uh, Axie Infinity kind of uh, was pumping during that time. Uh, Bitcoin again fell during early this year, uh, but Pegasus was actually rampaging 
right? Uh, Carbados. Well, so I feel like there's a lot of like games in the market that are staining itself against the economy or against like the general ma- macro trends. And because we're actually in the business of like monitoring all of these games, we know like, you know, when to scale down, when to scale up. And that gives us a huge advantage against other manufacturers or against like other projects in the space. Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean in general, like I, uh, I, I, I don't focus on the day-to-day crypto markets and us being in a bear cycle or bull cycle, right? I have such a long-term perspective on this space, and I so wholeheartedly believe where it's going over a three or four-year time frame that I don't even, I don't even look, and I really don't care um, because I know long-term this is. I'm so bullish about the space, um, and so I'm not a trader. So I care about long-term value of the space and I think it's going to continue to grow. Right. And I think like in general, even though, you know, uh, you're not making profits from the day to day in the long term, if you're able to like build all of these projects, which is or, or all of these products, which is essentially what we're going to offer to everyone else. Right. We're going to build this technology to be able to mass produce all of these assets for a particular game or for other games. Right. Uh, I think we can just, you know, simply focus on that and then, you know, uh, earn our, our earn our margins like afterwards, because ultimately you know as long as you keep on building the space, uh, then that's going to translate to value for your project and ultimately for your stakeholders. You good with that, V Corp? Yes, thank you. Okay. I think we have. Renz, I love yeah. that you seek approval from the follow-up questions to make sure that they were satisfied with the answer. It's very kind of you as a moderator. I have time for one more question before I have to. I have to go. If we want to, ju- if anybody else wants to jump up and ask one more. Yep, I think. Okay, I think we have you, you with the unicorn, as well. Honestly, I'll answer any question from uh, Pepe. So please, lay it on me. <laughs> you you wanna go ahead? No such luck. It's not me, right? No, it's not. Okay. I'm going to do a PRD on Twitter spaces in my free time and send it to the Twitter PMs after this, by the way. Dragon, go ahead. Ask your ask Hi, your thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I have um, a comment and a question. My question is, and thank you for having me, by the way. This is excellent. My question is, PlayCore, tremendous amount of data available, but that, in my opinion, should not be accessible by the general population. That should be a functionality that you must either be signed up as a guild with us or to a certain extent, own the breed token. So can we consider having this project PlayCore maybe be a trial right now, but then you can only access it later. My comment that I like to make is actually, I don't mean to be controversial, but I have a very different opinion than the conversation that was held earlier about how we can support or you know, people that are squatting on NFTs and games and what have you. I personally uh, don't care because we are not the game. We are the supply chain of the games. Our responsibility is to Mm. find the games that are gonna be the most profitable in our opinion and create the asset. And if that game flourishes, wonderful. If that game does not flourish, it is not a concern to us to a certain extent. We just move on and find another game. Because I I feel BreederDAO is akin to the restaurant industry. It is not our job to market our restaurant to patrons and our menu. Our responsibility is to make sure the restaurant has plates, chairs, and the manufacturing needed to create it. So I, I again, I don't mean to be that controversial, but I think no, our, I our actually, team I think Dragon's a great point. Looking at looking at this differently, I do not necessarily care about the game, the games that are out there. I just want to make sure we hit the hit the wave on the games and get the guilds excited and pivot. Uh, so that's my question and comment, and I'll go on mute and listen to your answers. Thank you. 
So I'll let Renz take the question, but I actually, I, Dragon, I actually agree with the comment. I think when my, my perspective on it comes from more like on the player developer side and the, you know, gaming user side. I think as a like breeder DAO as a service can't get involved in that. And so from your, your comments, as far as like uh, from a breeder DAO perspective, I actually entirely agree. You are providing a service, um, you know, to, to the industry. And so you, it's not really your place to be the arbiter of kind of that behavior. And I like a hundred percent agree with that. As far as letting the like uh, play core data and analytics dashboard be publicly visible, I'll let Renz answer that one. All right. First of all, thank you for that comment. That's well appreciated. Uh, but I feel like, you know, part of the success of the entire industry would be the success of these games, which is why we also want to kind of like contribute towards, you know, helping them. Not in that way, of course, not in like determining like who owns LifeWitch, right? But it also like helping them with their burning side. Like uh, we also want to help them uh, or participate in terms of them identifying what sorts of burn mechanisms to do. But yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with your comment about us. Like, you know, it's not our responsibility for sure. Um, so yeah, going back to your play core question, uh, for sure, you know, uh, the, the, the play core project is definitely going to add value back to Breeder DAO. Why we actually did it for free, uh, at least the data that we have, because is because like it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's not like that's the only thing that we have in our arsenal and that, you know, we want to gate people as early as now. Like, because ultimately what we want to happen is that every buyer or every participant in the economy is informed and is educated because then you were, you're able to onboard more people in the space and that you can help a lot more people. And because of that, people don't get discouraged from entering blockchain, from, you know, getting or entering high and then eventually getting burnt, right? So PlayCore as a, as a product is not like its full version. And, you know, if you look at like the bottom part, there's actually something there that's written that's, you know, premium is going to come. And that's definitely going to add value back to breed. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is for now, though. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it a secret. Secret. But definitely, we're, we're going to use that to add value to breed. And you don't have to worry about it just being, you know, a waste of resources because it doesn't add like any value. But overall, you know, if the entire economy or if the entire ecosystem like flourishes, then breeder DAO is also going to be one in that success, right? So the first step is really just driving education, helping people onboard it into the space. And, you know, the rest will flow after Great, thank you very much uh, for taking my question. I appreciate the, I do appreciate the comment that you just made, Renz, about you, we, we do need indirectly to make sure that the games themselves are successful in order to, for our project to, to have some value. Um, so I appreciate that. And, and it's good to know that PlayCore right now is somewhat of a preview of what could come. But again, I, I would certainly submit that that eventually becomes a uh, pay service because i am thoroughly impressed just in this uh, uh version of the data available for people to make educated decisions on what type of asset they should be looking for in games so thanks for taking my question and, and i hope this project is successful and that you'll be taking some of my money here uh next week <laughs> so thank you thank you so much Ryan hot dog you've been a, a huge supporter ever since the beginning with seen you in like pretty much like every discord channel uh discord like like uh our, our twitter spaces and in every like you know uh discord channel you've been very active so thank you so much for the support and yeah i mean if that's how you see playcore wait until you see like the premium version because that's really gonna blow your mind away uh so yeah i think uh we're good for today ryan uh, i hear that you're leaving right uh, and thank you so much again for participating yeah. Uh, no, happy to yeah i gotta take my son to the zoo i promised him so i gotta get going but thanks for having me and i'm sure we will have many more conversations around this yeah thank you so much ryan it's too sad that pierce is unable to join us or at least like he was but like not for the entire duration don't worry so, I'm, like, I'm gonna make sure he never hears the end of it so i got you <laughs> next time i talk to him got it got it. thank you so much